All right, welcome back to your Sunday dose of Jesus is Dope, uh, meaning Jesus is relevant. And uh, we're taking him by his word and walking through some of his most famous teachings over the last few weeks, uh, known as the Beatitudes. And somewhere around where we're at, verse 10, 11, 12, people consider the Beatitudes over. Uh, I don't, and that's why we're going to go all the way to verse 16. I'll show you why. Because um, it just feels like one thought or like like it's building. And um, so we'll jump in verse 10 through 12 today. We're doing three verses. That's a lot. Um, but they, they all tie very closely together with this idea. So here's what Jesus says. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Verse 12. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, uh, blessed when you are persecuted uh, sounds like uh, a, a joke or as much of a contradiction as any other thing that Jesus has said, like blessed are you when you mourn. But blessed are you when you're persecuted? That's literally when you feel the least blessed in life, I would think. In fact, most of us, if, if we're honest, uh, following Jesus, whether it's a conscious thought or not, we think should lead us to having a better, more comfortable life. Uh, that at least would be my preference. Uh, and yet here, Jesus has been building and building on these ideas of how to have a blessed full life. And it and it kind of culminates here in this moment of, of being blessed when we're persecuted, uh, which, you know, that seems like anti-blessing. Um, and and definitely in his world then and, and ours now, people would view those who were getting persecuted um, or insulted or who were socially marginalized and not popular, not as blessed people, but rather they're cursed. And so this is Similar to some of the statements, but in in many ways, Jesus has been like building to this moment, and um, and so if you think back over the Beatitudes and verses three through ten, now it's kind of like Jesus has been saying, "Blessed are you in life when you recognize your dependency on me, your need of me, when you're poor of spirit," and then he then he talked about that you're blessed when you lament, when you allow suffering to deepen your relationship with him. And blessed are you when you mourn, when you cry for your sin, when you take seriously your ability, your like how capable you are of evil, uh, and that it's this inner work that's required. Then he, then he said that blessed are you when you're meek, and that word meek is about taking up your God-given space. It's about taking the power you have and, and restraining it in submission to him and his ways, not your ways, uh, which goes into... That, that idea directly feeds into these other things because so much of following Jesus and having a blessed life is about restraining our power or submitting our power to him or submitting our opinion to him. And, and then Jesus said that blessed are the righteous, like hungering and thirsting and being desperate to experience him and know him and live according to him. If you remember that righteousness word that again was said here in these verses, Matthew 10 through 12 today, um, we talked about that's that's doing what is right according to God. It's a very specific word. So it's not 
It does sound super religious, righteousness, but righteousness is right according to God, according to the way he made you. And one of the ways that he made you and calls you is to be merciful. So that was another one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful. When we learn to love those who are unlovable, when we pray and love those who are enemies, uh, when we are agents of forgiveness and reconciliation in this world, as Jesus has been to us, he said, blessed are are you in in purity when you do the inward heart work, Um, because Jesus is not inviting us into a religion where we do religious rituals and outwardly present ourselves and um, do things that we think make us righteous. We're righteous because, yes, we, we do right things in loving the world, but we, we do the inner work of working on our attitudes that lead to our outward actions. That's what Jesus is most after. And then uh, last week we talked about the peacemakers. Jesus said there's this blessing in being a maker of peace in this world, not war, not tension, not conflict, which is very difficult to do. And now this week, it's almost like Jesus is saying, you know, when he says blessed are, are those who are persecuted, it's like blessed are you when you're bullied. Blessed are you when you get picked on, when you get insulted. Um, and, and there's something very important about uh, both of these kind of statements. They go hand in hand in verse 10 and 11. Blessed are you when you're persecuted because of righteousness. And then he says, blessed are, the, are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So this is an important caveat. We have all been persecuted, insulted, bullied, picked on um, because of our own stupidity, because we were actually a jerk or mean or selfish or whatever. Um, and Jesus isn't saying you're, you're blessed when you act like a jerk and people treat you like that. That's not what he's saying. Um, he's saying you're blessed when you're persecuted or picked on because of him, because of right living according to God. There's blessing in that. When you learn to stand so firmly in your faith in him and your belief in his way being better than your way, whenever that comes at odds with culture and that creates tension, people pick on you or insult you or think you're naive or whatever, then there's blessing in that because it's, uh, it's like it purifies and strengthens why you believe what you believe. And you have to remember this, that in the first century, the first actually like three centuries following Jesus, people that followed Jesus, um, it wasn't like, um, well, it wasn't convenient or comfortable. It wasn't easy. Uh, it came at the risk of being, uh, you know, ostracized from your own family or outcasted from your own community and, and economically it, it, there was a risk and there was a heavy amount of persecution that came to people. So following Jesus meant you could die or you could be um, mocked and made fun of all the time. Um, and, and Jesus is saying it here. You see it in the life of the other kind of like early church leaders and what they went through, that there's something very powerful and potent about people who believe in Jesus regardless of the cost. Now, sadly for us, in our very comfortable, convenient first world, uh, we can't really relate with that. Um, and, and there are, sadly, churches and church groups like, um, I think of the Westboro Baptist group, who have, have made it their um, like mission to be persecuted and hated and insulted, and they take it as evidence of them following Jesus. But the truth is, you know, they, they boycott people's 
funerals and say things like God hates fags and like just really offensive, unloving kind of things. And that is not what Jesus is talking about here. Um, But he is inviting us to see that when we follow him, we will come to moments of tension and struggle with the world around us. When we follow Jesus in a world and in a culture and in workplaces and in families and in tense situations that arise, when we follow Jesus in a world and in a culture and in workplaces where where they're not following Jesus, we will come at odds at times. Sometimes it'll be incredibly loving and this this act of mercy and forgiveness and, and love and patience and serving others, and it's beautiful and people are like inspired by it. But there are other times in following Jesus well in a world that does not follow him that you will be mocked or made fun of or bullied or persecuted. Uh, there are Christians in the world today who do risk their life and their uh, well-being, who really are persecuted. Um, but, but for most of us that you know, are listening to a podcast on a smartphone, it's not exactly our reality. So it's hard for us to understand it. But Jesus is inviting us, like he said in verse 12, to rejoice and be glad. Because when you face difficulty, you, you always have the option to see it through the lens of your faith in Jesus and what he can do with it, or just through the circumstance and woe is me and it sucks. And so Jesus says in verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who, who were before you. Now the prophets, you know, if you read through the Old Testament, there was only one prophet uh, story that we get of a prophet going and speaking on behalf to God, of God to people. And those people actually listened and responded well and didn't hate him or try to kill him or actually kill him. Most of the prophets, uh, being a prophet and called by God to go speak on his behalf was horrible. Uh, it meant you were very unpopular. <laughs> and it didn't go well. But the only one, and this is so ironic and just true to life, the only one who did not, um, or who was like successful in like our human view of it, he went, he spoke on behalf of God and the people repented and responded and turned towards God was Jonah, who went to the Ninevites, who he hated. And, and in fact, you could even read it as like he racially hated them. He hated them for all the history and all the problems and all the evil that they'd perpetrated. He saw them as just unworthy of God's goodness and grace. That's why he tried to run from it. Uh, bad things happened. Then the people listened and he still hated it. And uh, so, so Jesus like conjures that kind of idea that, that following him is not about our life getting more comfortable and easy. And we think it will and we think it should even. But he reminds us that as you follow me, and become like a prophet in the sense that as you live the truth of me, as you speak and love the truth of who I am, it will not always be popular or welcomed with warm hugs and high fives. And you should be prepared for that because he said there's a a reward in heaven. And this is one of those mysteries about eternity that we don't understand, but but we're told little glimmers of things that that in eternity uh, will rule and reign still, will will still like uh, one of the ways you could summarize the Bible and human history is that we build society that that from early nomad times on from building families we build cities and societies and ultimately heaven is this image of a new Jerusalem a new heavenly society coming back to earth and meeting again and that we will live in this kind of utopia city type thing someday don't totally understand it 
and there's rewards in heaven for our life now. Now, um, it's not like, I mean, sometimes in church speak, we like to make jokes about like, got another jewel in my crown for heaven, or, or we get paid in kingdom bucks when we get to heaven someday um, for doing good things now. But, but there is some kind of reward. We don't know what it means, but what we, I guess what I know that it means for sure in my life is that my decisions today matter for eternity. How I choose to live matters. And I can live my own life and live my way. And I can turn to Jesus and ask for forgiveness at the end of my life and die and still go to heaven. But he says, great is the reward for the more faithful I follow Jesus now. It's like more, I'm more prepared for the job he has for me in eternity by being more and more in submission to him and trying to live my life like him today. That's, I think, the message. That's what I am challenged by as I hear it. But to just kind of put a bow on this for you and I, I said, we, you know, we kind of leaned into this a little bit in the past verses in, in verse 7 and 8 when Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they'll be shown mercy and blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be children of God. That there's something, there's something about like, like I, I said a few weeks ago that in the mercy one that, that forgiveness is the single most powerful act you and I have as humans to do. It's pretty incredible that we can make babies and raise them. It's awesome. It's pretty incredible that we can love others. But, but the single most powerful thing we can do in this, this life is forgive others of the wrongs they've done to us, of not hold against them, not seek revenge, but trust to God. And, and literally, the scriptures tell us, Jesus tells us, the more we forgive, the more we'll be forgiven. And if we're unwilling to forgive, then we will not be forgiven. It's very direct. Um, and so Jesus is calling us to embody this type of radical love, which is why he can say, in loving people the way I call you to, you'll be persecuted because of me. But it's okay. For you have the kingdom of heaven someday. You have great reward in heaven someday. That, that if you love your enemy when other people want to hate, you'll be persecuted, right? And this is happening right now with Israel and, and Palestinian conflict. People want to pick sides and then oversimplify the, the issue to be about who's right. And it's, one, it's never as simple as one thing. But most importantly, what Jesus tells us is love others. We shouldn't root for war and death and pain in other people's lives. That's just not the way of Jesus. So if you love your enemy when others want to hate, you will get persecuted and bullied and picked on for that. It's just going to happen. If you seek reconciliation when others just want revenge, you're going to be persecuted. If you really follow the way of Jesus, and I think that's kind of the question here is, as Jesus has been saying these things, is he serious? More importantly, do you think Jesus is serious? That you are blessed when you are persecuted because of righteousness. When people say evil and, and, and false things and insult you because of him. Because if we really hold to the things of Jesus, like in Matthew 19, when he talks about um, what marriage is between a man and a woman, or what he'll soon talk about here in the same sermon in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when he talks about kind of his high view of sexual ethics. If you hold to that higher view of sexual ethics in a culture that sees sex as more kind of just transactional and do what you want, you, you'll at a minimum get insulted or thought people or people think you're weird. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 following my way in a world that doesn't follow it will make you look different and act different at times, and it won't always be comfortable. But that's 
That's where some of the blessing of following me is. Right? If you stay committed in a marriage that other people think are toxic, some of your friends might think you're dumb or naive. Or you might feel attacked. Or if you live in mutual submission to other people and kind of tithe your own opinion, give up on always having to be right, um, others will take advantage of you. And God said, even in that you'll be blessed. If you believe that Jesus is Lord and King, and in Jesus' own way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one gets to the Father but through him, other people will feel offended by that. <laughs> and I get it. And, and I think in, in what Jesus is saying here that we see this in the early church in a number of ways, and I think it's what Paul had in mind when he wrote uh, this. I want to read this to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because he's writing to the Corinthian people who are, who are a lot like us, just like an ancient version of us, but, you know, they're these Greco-Roman people who believed in reason and, and lived lives of some comfort and seeking um, status and privilege and all kinds of things. Um, but he writes to Christians living in Corinth who are f- trying to follow Jesus, just like you and I, or maybe not all of us. Some of us are trying to figure out Jesus, but as we try to follow him, it's difficult. And then he leans in to this moment where it, it seems that members of the church in Corinth got into conflict with each other. And instead of practicing mercy and forgiveness and that, they started taking each other to court and suing each other. And so listen to what the Apostle Paul says in, in light of that. We'll start in verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. So just the fact that one Christian would take another Christian to court, Paul's saying you've already been defeated. You've, you've both already lost. Whatever you hope to get out of court, you're not going to. Uh, and listen to what he says next. He asks this rhetorical question. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and sisters, meaning your Christian community, where you're supposed to be. And this is where Jesus will go next, uh, which is why I keep them part of the Beatitudes, which we'll get to next week, because we're meant to be this like light and salt to the world. And Anytime we start focusing on our sense of rightness and, and who's wronged us over um, how that will come across to the world around us, we start to diminish that light to lose that flavor added saltiness we're supposed to have to a culture that can be kind of bland and just full of hate and revenge. But, but Paul's not done. Verse 9, he says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by his spirit and by the spirit of our God. So he reminds us that we've all been sinners and And no one who's committed to doing wrong is going to inherit the kingdom of God. So don't try to right that wrong on this side of heaven. That's what he's saying. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Can you you imagine saying something more counterintuitive to our human nature? More uncomfortable, more, more wrong in our own sense? And yet God is inviting us to live a life of faith that believes in what we do not see which includes his 
wrath and judgment and his kingdom, not our sense of vengeance and righting wrongs in, on this side of the earth. Now, that doesn't mean we don't participate in government and uh, dealing with things that are um, unjust in the world. It doesn't mean we don't have opinions about wars and, and sexual integrity and all kinds of other things. But the blessing in the persecution piece comes because in the midst of trying to follow Jesus, that, that we're willing to be wronged because our faith believes that heaven will make right everything in this life. And so we don't spend our time trying to write um, and make sense of and seek little revenges and big revenges in this life. Jesus is inviting you to see something so counter to your, to your human nature and to mine. That blessed are you when you learn just to be wronged and not try to make it right. Just to be cheated and not, now this isn't about not having boundaries either. I think sometimes people hear this and it's like, you know, we're just supposed to be a doormat. No, if you go back to blessed are the meek, that's about standing in, in the power that God's given you in submission to him. So it's not about not having boundaries and staying in toxic relationships and those things, but it's about not making decisions based on our human rationale but being slow, choosing to wait, and to bring everything that we think and want in submission to God. And until we have clarity, just waiting. Uh, maybe a more simple example of this would be um, most of the time, especially in church world, the question's always like, for single people, who are you going to marry? And biblically, the more appropriate question is, should I marry first? Because not everybody's supposed to. Um, and we don't often think of that. Um, and not everybody needs to. And the Apostle Paul didn't get married. Jesus didn't get married. And, and Paul, who, who was writing this here in 1 Corinthians, said the same, a similar, or he said this, like, um, that it, the, the real first question is, should you get married? And the reason that should be the first question is because it's just being fully in submission to God. What do you have for me? And God will honor the desires of your hearts and um, he'll help you. But, but it's about letting go of trying to control that. So... I don't know what exactly this means for you, but I know this week, someone will cut you off in traffic. Someone will be annoying at work. You will have the chance to practice mercy and being a peacemaker. This week, you will have the chance to, to see, is it better just to be wronged or insulted or cheated? <laughs> and, and it's like little moments of faith where you can go, all right, God, I'm going to let go of this and trust it to you. Even something as simple as someone just cutting you off in traffic. What would it look like for you to make peace this week? to practice mercy. And in following Jesus this week, when you find yourself at odds with a culture that does not believe in him or follow him, if someone makes you feel like you're kind of dumb for having faith or you're naive, learn to just stand in that and go, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a mystery because I'm following Jesus and not my own rationale or yours. I'm following God's kingdom values, not the values of, of just my culture. So I don't know what it means for you, but I know that Jesus is inviting you and I both to see that when we get picked on in life, because of the way that we're following Jesus, there's a depth that that brings to our faith. There's a power and a potency of what that can do for the world who's watching our lives and the hope that we believe is in Jesus. So I hope you'll have a great week. If you haven't subscribed, you should. Uh, if you don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you should. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Have a good week. Peace.